welcome to the Live Today podcast. On today's podcast, we have Laura Try. Laura is um, or was a previous shopaholic and um, materialist, but uh, since turning 30, she has changed her life around to live a more minimalistic um, lifestyle. And in doing so, has attempted some of the world's greatest challenges um, to list a few running a marathon on the Great Wall of China. Uh, rowing around the United Kingdom, and if that wasn't enough, um, cracking on with rowing the Atlantic. Uh, Laura, I hope that very brief introduction does you justice. Um, I'm sure it doesn't, but thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you for having me on. And when you say those things, it feels like you're talking about someone else. <laughs> oh well, uh, you know, we, James and I try and we have lots of in, um, we try and find the most incredible people to come and join our podcasts. And when we describe what they've done. I can't help feel somewhat inadequate <laughs> when, when, we, when we speak to, speak to people like yourself. Um, but I guess we should just start off then with that, that introduction very briefly describes two completely different personalities. And so some people I would assume be thinking, how on earth do you turn from shopaholic to transatlantic rower? And I know I've heard this story before, but um, it was so enjoyable the first time that I might make you say the whole thing again. But yeah, what can you kind of paint a picture for us as to what you were like um, before? Yeah, before your kind of like turn of lifestyle. Yeah, as a as a child, I was a dancer, and so as all that's all I ever used to do. Um, dance six nights a week after school. Wanted to be a professional dancer. But as I got older, I realised that doing doing that wasn't feasible because my parents didn't have enough money to send me to professional dance school. So then I'm thinking to myself, well, what can I do with my life? Because that's what we're taught at school. Just, you know, what are you going to be when you grow up? And I thought, well, I really enjoy makeup. I used to make my own face masks and all things like that. So I thought, well, I want to one day own my own beauty salon. That's exactly what I did. I opened my beauty salon age 24 um, and it become really popular really, really quick. And we yeah. were really busy. I had staff and we, I earned a lot of money, more than I ever could have imagined earning in quite a, a, a young, small business. And then I didn't know what to do with that money. So the only thing I knew what to do with it was spend it and spend it on designer clothes and furniture and all the latest technology you know if there was something new out I would just go and buy it because that's all I knew what to do with it and then as I was approaching 30 I just felt as though something wasn't quite right and yeah. I just had this house full of stuff and this wardrobe just bursting full of the most glorious clothes but there was just something missing and i I just had this little thought in my head for many years, but never kind of realized it or confronted it or admitted it to myself that I wanted to be able to go running through the countryside and through the mountains. But the trouble was, is this beauty salon, Laura, this shopaholic, I didn't know how to do any of that. I didn't know how to be in the outdoors. So it was quite a eureka moment that kind of approaching 30 it was kind of an early midlife crisis where I just thought right I can't carry on just filling my life and my house full of stuff yeah. so I started selling all my stuff and then I just thought I know the final thing that I'm going to buy is a pair of running trainers and then I'm going to start running 
and I'm going to become the outside Laura, the the adventure Laura that I kind of had in my head. Mm. So I ran around the block, and it was just a disaster. Actually, I got half a mile down the road and was just in this whole world of pain, lungs, muscles, legs, everything, and had to walk home. I just felt so frustrated. And I thought, I'll tell you what, I'll do that half mile every day. And then within a few weeks, I could do the half mile. I then increased it to a mile, five kilometers, 10 kilometers. Within a couple of years, I was able to run a marathon. Right. Mm. Well, that was, that was crazy. Like I never thought that I'd be able to do this. And then I took that, that method of, running half a mile to then being able to do a marathon I then took that method into other certain things so I was invited to do an adventure race which was 24 hours and I thought I'd never I'd never be able to do something like that but I just turned up I did it I completed it and then I saw a challenge to row around Great Britain and I thought well I'm not a rower but I never used to be a runner so maybe I can Mm. teach myself how to row then rode around Great Britain and it just gave me this this love and this passion for the outdoors for the sea for pushing myself mentally physically emotionally and from then it just it keeps escalating and so then after getting back from around Britain there was a female team that saw that I'd done that challenge they then invited me to row across the Atlantic Ocean so I said yes And I suppose that's been my biggest and greatest challenge to date. And since then, now I just basically live my life for my, for my next adventure, just for being outdoors with my backpack, just Mm. doing what I do best. Laura, I mean, you know, going from this kind of shopaholic beauty salon owner to, to rowing Atlantic, I mean, obviously you mentioned that, you know, it came in these small steps, but what was it at the beginning of your journey that um, that made you realise that maybe you know these materialistic goods and this designer wardrobe that you had wasn't uh, what was giving you fulfilment? What was it that made you realise actually I want to go running the countryside? I want to do these amazing things. I think the thing that there was a big tipping point where I did my first uh, big adventure, um, which was when I was thirty-two. And so that was two years after I started running where I was invited to do a 24 hour adventure race and um, a group and I group of people that I'd never met. We were navigating and running through the peak district and I just had everything that I needed on my back, all my food, my water, my kit. And it was that event where I just thought where I've just got everything I need right here. And it doesn't matter that I'm cold or sweaty or muddy. And I just felt so liberated to be in this fairly natural environment in terms of this primitive environment where all the the only thing that mattered was food and water and warmth and also camaraderie. And I just felt as though it tapped into something that was deep within me that has been switched off through our modern world. And I suppose that was where, even though the challenge was so tiring, so we was on the move for 25 and a half hours, I was so tired, but at the same time, I felt so alive and so human. And that, I think that's why people like me do what we do, because that feeling is so addictive. 
Yeah. And that's, that's really interesting. But one thing that I've always struggled with, so um, for those that have known me a long time, I, and not to make this about me because I'm the least interesting person on this, on this podcast, but I, uh, I, I wanted to, I was, I was slightly overweight as a teenager. And I wanted to get into running. And, um, and when I tried, I always, I said, look, I'll only run half a mile. I'll only run a mile, similar to you, Laura. But that, those miles were so hard that it put me off doing it the next day. And I'm just curious to know, like when you first started out having never exercised before, were there tough moments where you were like, where actually like, you know, that day you really didn't feel like going on a run and, or you didn't feel like doing 5k or then the, then the 10k came you know, how do you, how did you keep the perseverance, I guess, to push through, like going from zero to 10 K is a lot and it requires some discipline. Were there moments where you did feel like giving up? And, and if so, like, how did you persevere through the kind of like most difficult patches, I guess? Yeah, I feel fortunate that I've always been fit. So going back to the dancing thing gave me like movement and flexibility yeah. and, and health in general. And then through my teenage and young twenties, I was into the gym which is why I thought I would be great at running. Turns out I wasn't. So I can completely relate to yeah. just it being so hard. I thought, how is this even a thing? Like, how do people run? But I suppose the thing that I always hold on to was that first week. The, the story that I told earlier was kind of rounded down. So I'll kind of expand a little bit on it. The, it wasn't, I didn't run around the block. I ran to a bridge at the end of my road. That first run, it was, I was on a mission to run around the block, but I only got to the bridge. That was 0.7 miles away. And then I had to walk home. And the next day I knew that I'd got to the bridge the day before. So I got to the bridge and then turned around and ran like 20 meters home and then walked. And then I, then the next day I thought, well, I did that. And each day I would just push that, barrier a little bit further I wouldn't push myself in terms of put pressure on myself but I just thought well I did it yesterday so I can do it today yeah. and that first week of progress I think it took me two weeks to get to the bridge and back which was 1.4 miles and so I thought to myself well last week I couldn't run to the bridge and then this week I can run all the way to the bridge and back and so I always hold on to that because there are days where I don't want to go and do my run. There's most days where I don't want to go and do my fitness, but I just think this is something that I need to do to keep myself fit and healthy, to keep my mental clarity. And also the amount that I'll beat myself up, beat myself up if I don't go, is far yeah. greater than the feeling of me not wanting to go, if that makes sense. I think that's a real interesting point, the, the like feeling of just like, Every, when you don't do when you say you're, when you tell yourself you're going to do something and then don't do it I think that feeling is almost way worse than the feeling of just like getting it like the pain that's caused by actually doing it you know even mm. if you're really bad at running the like guilt that you feel after you've told yourself you're going to go on a run and then not running is, yep. is I feel like equally as bad <laughs> yeah um, so I completely understand that moving kind of down the down the timeline of your incredible achievements you mentioned so, and, and these are the two things I, like, I really wanted to kind of dig into. So I know we've kind of very quickly dove into the story of how you suddenly became an Atlantic rower, but it seems to be quite sensical to me that you 
went running, you kind of increased the distances, then you did some endurance events. Um, and from the endurance events, you kind of started in increasing the, the scale of those. But during the endurance events, especially the transatlantic row, you know, from what I've spoken to you before, you speak about your two main lessons that you've learned from them. And I was wondering if you could maybe touch on those because I think they really relate back to having to like push through hard times, like the times that we're in right now. Um, and so I think that'd be like really a relatable um, story to tell. Yeah, the, 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 the two main lessons. Um, the first one is a phrase called it will pass. And we start, we started using that phrase on the boat. So um, we started our 3000 mile race in Spain. We headed over to the Caribbean and we was on the boat for six weeks rowing in two hour shifts, two hours on and two hours off. So rowing for 12 hours a day and sleeping for an hour and a half at night. Um, and as you can imagine, things get very tough in all aspects of physical wellness and mental wellness. And so there was various things that happened, such as one day that we had a headwind that was pushing our boat backwards. And we all, there was four of us on the boat. So three rowing positions were all fulfilled. And there was one person out on deck navigating. And all of us rowed for nine hours to fight the headwind. And we were traveling at half a mile an hour so in nine hours of non-stop rowing all four people on deck getting no rest and not taking care of themselves we traveled four miles but and we thought it was never gonna end it felt like we were never get it was never gonna stop but it did and we just kept saying to ourselves that day it will pass it will pass like the wind will not always be blowing in this direction and pushing us backwards we will not always all be out rowing and giving it our everything yeah. and it did and then there was other times where I talk from my own experience where I came out on deck and I just did not want to talk to any of my teammates because I was just so tired and I put my headphones in and I just felt dreadful on so many levels like I just didn't want to be there I didn't want to row I didn't want to be in the middle of the Atlantic and I just kept saying to myself, this feeling that I've got right now, it will pass. And then each day that passed, it didn't. And I was starting to lose faith in this. It will pass theory. But after three days, it did pass. And I came out of it and I felt great. Yeah. And so that gives me faith that any bad situation in life will always pass. It's just sometimes we don't know how fast or how slow. Sometimes it can last for a few hours, a few days, a few weeks, a few months. In some cases, it can last a few years. But I think knowing that it will pass always just eases a little bit of pressure in that mm. already pressurised situation. And, and Laura, I'm just, I was just interested to ask as well. I think for you, obviously, you've had these incredible experiences, you know, rowing the Atlantic in that storm where you've really experienced the fact that, you know, these things will pass. I think you know, for some people out there, um, you know, it may be harder for them to actually realize it in the same way you have, because they may not have the same personal experiences. So when they're going through something tough, it may just seem like it's going to go on forever. To those people, is there like a, a framework or something you can recommend to them to like, help them understand that actually how they're feeling 
isn't going to go on forever and it is as you say you know it will pass at some point yeah I feel some of my biggest lessons in the past few years have been just accept the the word acceptance and recognizing a situation and so although it's great in this modern world where we're fed positivity positive mental attitude uh, and all of that that's all great but there comes a time where we can't pretend everything's all right when it's not and actually by addressing it and saying look I know this is here I know how I feel or I know that this bad situation is here in front of me and accepting it okay that's the way it is for now I'm okay with it being pretty shit like I'm all right with me feeling pretty shit for the next couple of days and then also knowing that it will pass it then almost turns it for me it takes me out of that situation and makes me look outwards as though it's looking at someone else's life if that even makes sense and I think as well sometimes there's things that we need to do in order to to make that bad situation pass as well so sometimes we need to go out and exercise although we don't want to or we're tired we need to go out and get fresh air or exercise because it's just pushing us or pointing us in the right direction to keep us moving in the right direction rather than going on a downward slope yeah i think uh i love that it will pass saying because i think for me like what it plays on uh it's grounded in the uh, like in the in the feeling of hope and yeah that is such like a powerful idea and feeling to 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 like have hope that something will get better um not lose it um is such a like i think key life skill and something that we've all learned through lockdown that um no matter how hard it gets um life will get better um, yeah and also knowing the fact that life doesn't isn't meant to be perfect and happy all the time like yeah. we look out the window one day it's sunny we look out the window the next day it's raining like mother nature and the natural balance of life is good and bad or however you want to grade it like up and down we can't yeah. always be up so actually when there's down it show it it contrasts the, the two so um, i quite like the fact that that it will pass is always like those changing gradients. Somebody, I heard somebody say the other day um, that English summers are the best. And I said, well, that can't be true. And he said, English summers are the best because the winters are so shit. <laughs> yeah. I, I also think, like, I actually, and then I thought, well, that, that is true. Like the fact that, you know, today is 30 degrees outside makes it so much better because we know that January and February are absolutely horrible. Yeah. And it's that down. it's that cliche thing of there there's no light without dark. You know, you can't have one without the other. So to to a certain extent, I think sometimes the bad situations are there to teach us lessons, to highlight the light when there's the dark. There's all, all those kind of little hidden cliches tucked in away. There are. Um and then the second thing, I guess, was um, your, and I love this one even more, is the, like, just get on with it mentality. Yeah, that's the second lesson that kind of, it's almost linked into the first one. Uh, so for the Atlantic rowing story of where this saying came from, 
was in fact I lie but I'll, I'll maybe tell you that another story in a second um I'm in my cabin in the middle of the night and my alarm would go off at two o'clock in the morning that was my rowing shift so I had to get up at 2 a.m after being asleep for an hour and a half and then the cabin was like sleeping and in your under stair cupboard yeah and because we had to have the door shut the condensation from our body would fill the cabin so there would be little specks of body condensation falling on you so then it would make you cold free um pitch black outside waves crashing against the boat and you're just like what am I doing (laughs) I've got to go rowing but I couldn't stay in bed because my teammate was rowing so I had to get up because she wanted to go to bed so I would say out loud because once I heard it out of my mouth and then back round into my ears I would kind of almost shout it just get on with it and I'd be like right and I'm sleep sleeping bag, get dressed. And I'd be out there because I needed to hear it, just get on with it. And then there were certain things that we needed to do, like clean. So our toilet on the boat was a bucket, a big blue plastic bucket. And then her, her, whatever is in the bucket outside. Sometimes we'd need to clean it. We're like, oh, just get on with it. Um, sometimes we'd need to do our laundry. And all we wanted to do was go to sleep. We were so tired just get on with it and so then I brought that saying back into my real life because there's so much stuff in real life that I don't want to do I hate putting the bins out like I just who even wants to put the bins out I do not want to do it just get on with it like it needs to be done I don't want to go shopping to the supermarket to buy my food just get on with it so I'm all the time just making myself do stuff (laughs) I don't particularly want to do and then that kind of links on to the it will pass because sometimes we're feeling bad, dragging our heels, not getting stuff done. And it's easy to fall in a downward slope, like we're feeling bad, it will pass, it will pass. But actually sometimes we need to do stuff to make it pass quicker. And so that's when I go, okay, so what's going to make me feel better? Okay, so... I need to do my tax return. I need to go for, oh, I'd like to go for a run. I'd like to do this. I'd like to do that. And then I think, oh, I don't want to because I'm sad or I feel this, I feel that. And then it's like, right, just get on with it because you want to feel better, but you're not doing anything to make yourself feel better. So then it's like, right, action, action plan, LT. And basically those two sayings just live in my in my head all the time and I'm just constantly saying them to myself to get myself out of certain situations the just get on with it gives me um some 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 level of PTSD actually I spent some time working on a cattle station in Australia and I once every morning you're meant to check your bike for fuel and oil um (sighs) your your dirt bike and I hopped on the bike and I hadn't checked it for fuel and these, these, these cattle stations are like 300,000 acres or hectares. And so they're like, they're literally the like size of Oxfordshire or as a county. And I kind of get cracking and I'm like one, one and a half, two miles in and my bike starts to conk out and, and it, it runs out of petrol. And so I radio the guy saying, can I, uh, can I, can you come pick me up? Cause I need to take it back to fill up with petrol. And the guy goes, no, um, 
wheel it back yourself. <gasps> and it's like 35 degrees. I've got to wheel back. And every time, like every hundred meters, I'm like, guys, come on, this is a joke now. And they just say, just get on with it every time. <gasps> wow. <laughs> and, and so like two miles later, I was like, you know, ginger dude, like completely sunburned to a crisp. And, um, and the guy like comes over to me, like, now you know what just get on with it means don't complain <laughs> and then like uh handed me a petrol can um and yeah so i i guess uh i guess the old just get on with it rings quite true in my life as well even though it kind of has connotations of, of extreme pain <laughs> yeah and often the just get on with it tasks are the things that you know you should do then you don't do them and then you end up feeling or in a really bad situation like you being sunburned exactly so, yeah le- lesson learned just get on with it definitely that's that's a that's a saying and a half and then you feel like a king or queen at the end of the day because you've done what you said you're going to do and now you can kick back put your feet up have a beer and chill out in the garden exactly i think it definitely sets precedent as well for for the kind of stuff that you want to do in the rest of your day yeah um, i don't know whether you ever listened to like jocko wilnick or david goggins but they're like these intense navy seals that, yeah i love it i love it yeah oh i i, I love it too and he says, like, I get up and I exercise at the start of every day because that's the hardest thing I'll have to do that day. Mm. Like getting dragging myself out of bed and going to, to the gym is the most horrible thing to do. Yeah. And so if I do it, I know that every other decision will be easier. And I think that like really rings true in the fact that by just getting on with it then, all the other tasks that you've got to get on with are just slightly easier. Just sets the scene. And yeah. once you've achieved that goal early on or that thing, you're like yeah I rock what else can I do yeah it just sets the scene so um, I'm like fully on board with that Laura that um is the entirety of the podcast um we like to keep them super short and snappy and we like to tell really incredible stories and I think both of those things have been done today so thank you so much for coming on um taking the time to have a good old yarn with us and (laughs) um we hope to see you again soon Yeah, thanks so much for having me on.